thought this would be appropriate. So, I have said many times, actually, that this is a good example of doing romance in a Star Trek episode properly. Romance of the week, more specifically. When I actually pulled up the episode, I felt like I'd have a lot to talk about because I just kept referencing, the, referencing this episode, and yet it was actually really simple when it came down to it. So forgive me for not really talking a long time this day. Uh, this is probably going to be kind of a short episode. Don't mistake, I like Counterpoint a lot, actually. There's some scenes which are a little, eh, but this is still, in my opinion, a be better than average Voyager episode. It's worth noting uh, that two, actually three little out-of-character points before I continue. Number one, Mulgrew herself said this was pretty much the ripe time for her to try and get into some kind of romantic entanglement. She didn't really care what, but she felt like it was a good thing for her to do. She, thanks to the letters, has officially been loosed from whatever the hell his name was, Dog Guy back on Earth, and yeah, that was it, and she'd had enough time to recover from that, and she was lonely. And let's be clear about this, there's nothing wrong with that, wanting that kind of companionship. In general, there's nothing wrong with that. And that's back home, out here in the middle of nowhere. I'd be amazed if she didn't. I would be suspicious if she didn't think that there was something wrong with her. I don't mean like, oh, you're an alien, I mean like there's something emotionally or mentally wrong with you, which is funny. I don't mean this as a joke, but there kind of is something wrong with her, if you'll recall, as we've talked about with the, regards to the Janeway character arc, which is also prevalent here, but I'm getting ahead of myself. One other thing I want to point out, though, the Devor, or Devore, the big Imperium that they have in this thing, are they an STO? I don't know. I still haven't done any of the Delta Quadrant stuff. Yes, still. I still haven't gotten to play that. But a brace of this level of power and scope and... Um, aggravation, for lack of a better term, it would surprise me if these guys were not present in STO, at least mentioned. Maybe they aren't, because we've, I mean, we've only t stepped our toe into the Delta Quadrant, so maybe that's in the future, who knows. Last point. I wrote this gentleman's name down. Uh, Mark... I can't read my own handwriting. Mark Herlick, I think? Is that that's supposed to be pronounced? He plays Kashik. Yes, his name is actually Kashik. <laughs> He's a Wookiee. Um... He did a really good job of this. Not perfect. He had a unique way of performing, and so some of his lines came off as if they were forced, but they actually weren't, if you know what I mean. It's just his way of speaking. And he was actually recommended by Kate Mulgrew personally. Uh, I wasn't able to find out their personal connections to each other. It's more likely that, given her theatrical background, she just knew him from some performing thing and said he would be good for this role. Now, the teaser for this episode is one of the more unique teasers I've seen in Voyager. We've had a couple of unique ones this year in Season 5, haven't we? Because it's almost mundane. You see this... Ma I mean, the p if you read it on the paper, this massive alien ship comes to do this horrible, invasive inspection of the crew, and the, the Voyager crew is just like, oh, fine, another inspection, fine, whatever. You'd think that would be a horrible, depressing thing, but it's all just very calm and peaceful and mundane. The, useful, the use of Mahler in this is ruddy brilliant, I'd just like to say. For those of you who don't know, uh, Mahler is the gentleman who does the music, or I should say, is the composer whose music they're playing. They especially like to play the first symphony. I mention that because that was a good move on their part. It's very common among Star Trek especially to go for the really big names when it comes to classical composers so that people will recognize them, as opposed to Mahler, who is probably not a household name, but is an excellent example of 
counterpoint in his musical com composition. So this is a this is a great point in there. But you know, it's just also normal. It's like, hello, Captain. How are things? Things are well. Yeah. Cut to teaser. It was just such a a weird way to do it, but it fits the episode. In and I th I think so. It's a good teaser. Just odd. Now, I'm going to talk about the romance thing right now and just get it over with because, again, I don't actually have that much to talk about. Other than the fact that there's an ant on my monitor. And if there's one thing I can't tolerate, it's ants on my monitor. Oh, my God. Get off. It's right on the webcam. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm not even going to edit that out. Dead ants. Remember, ants, stay away from my webcam. So, God, I just sprayed, too. The reason I like to espouse this particular romance, uh, especially among Star Trek, is because it worked. It's one of the few romance, I th uh, excuse me, it's one of the few romances of the week that I feel that worked. I just talked about this not too long ago. If you're going to do something, do it for a reason. Don't do it for its own sake. Do it as some kind of purpose. Make something happen of it. I feel like that's what they did here with Counterpoint. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong in this, but for me, this is a great insight into Janeway. Why? Well, it doesn't really show us too much more of her character. It really, it's more like it expounds upon things we already assumed about her character. For example, her desire to, um, her desire to have that bond, basically, with someone because of the isolation she feels given her circumstances, which ironically has been repeated since all the way back in the very first episode of Star Trek ever before Kirk was captain even. That's how far back we're going for that. The second reason, though, that I find that interesting is because it's Janeway being human. Now, this is the thing. It's so simple. I've already said it, but I'm going to try and explain it because I feel like you're going to look at me like, huh? Her portrayal in this episode is extremely down-to-earth and extremely human. She has a very basic, human, real emotional need to be connected to someone and she does have a genuine attraction to this man and I believe he had a genuine attraction back I don't think either of them faked their feelings for each other but that's kind of the wonderful dichotomy the forgive me counterpoint for those of you not actually aware of this a counterpoint is when two completely separate melodies are playing at the same time but are being done in a way to that balance each other out they harmonize in their melodious nature that is exactly what these two people are. These are adversaries. He, uh, Kashuk and Janeway are adversaries. And at points they think they are and points they think they aren't, but they're constantly dancing around each other. But they both, regardless of their allegiance, do genuinely care about each other, do genuinely feel for each other. If, I'm gonna, if, if you'll forgive me for jumping ahead of my notes a bit here, one of the things I used to hear about as a negative complaint about this episode was that Janeway looks hurt at the end. Like, she was genuinely hurt because of the fact that he did betray her. That she will not get to be with him. That he's gone and that connection they had... No. I don't get that personally. I, I literally have not ever heard a legitimate reason for that to be a bad thing. For me, that's just the emphasis of the episode right there in one brilliant scene. And Janeway has the perfect expression on She's not sobbing. She's not disconsolate. She's not overacting. It's just you can see in her expression that she's hurt. Again, very human. She probably knew he wasn't trustworthy. She probably knew that it was likely he was going to betray them. That's why this whole thing was set up the way it was. 
but she still wanted to trust him. She still wanted this to be legitimate. And it's very natural that the disappointment of that and the emotional injury of that would be something that she would feel for real. Not scar her forever, just something that would hurt for a little while because she wanted it to be more. And I feel like he did too. And that's really all I've got to say about it. It was a very human connection between the two, which is ironic when you think about it. And as she said, her offer was genuine. Now, the other thing I find interesting about Kashuk is regardless of his relationship to Janeway, he is a weird example of being personable and not. <laughs> he is, uh, forgive me for putting it into such terms, he's basically a hard ass. You know, he's got the, the inspector line, you have done this and you have betrayed this and I demand to know all the information about this. You know, he, he does sound like an inspector. But at the same time, he's doing it in such personal, amiable tones. You know, it's, it's, it's a weird thing in the way he does it. He does come across as very unusual in his perspective. It might be one of the reasons why she found him attractive to begin with. I don't know. I can only speculate on that matter. Now, I also, at the very first thing I thought... Excuse me. I've recorded five videos today. Give me a break. Actually, that's a lie. This is actually my tenth video I've recorded today. That's not a joke. This is actually my 10th video today. I'm going to bed right after this. Um, one of the things I thought the first time when I saw the transporter trick they're using is, oh, they're using Scotty's trick. I mean, literally, that was the first thing through my mind because it was a brilliant thing Scotty did, and it well, it would have saved their lives, but it didn't save the other gentleman's life. But it did save Scotty's life, and it's why he's still alive in in universe. I'm sorry. I, I'm James Doohan has been dead for many, many years, and it still sucks. Regardless, um, the funny thing to me is I still think this is congruent. I believe it would not even surprise me. I like the idea that that information was in the databank. So when this came up, when they had to hide someone from everything, the idea of transporter suspension came up because someone had read the reports on what Scotty did and failed miserably at repeating it. Because Scotty stayed in there for 80 freaking years in an 80-year-old ship. And the much less advanced transporters they had and still made it work. And in Voyager's era, which is another several years on top of that, with all the technological advances that have happened since then, they could barely emulate it. Something about that just really amuses me. <laughs> and really says something about how freaking brilliant Scotty is. I've always believed Scotty is, is one of the most brilliant engineers in the setting. Sorry. <laughs> he has quite a list going for him. Now... I also, I have to comment on this just for the sake of it. I like this episode, I do. The plot is basically an excuse for all intents and purposes. The plot is here to be like, hey, there's these, you know, the Diary of Anne Frank thing. It was, that's been mentioned so many times when you read the behind-the-scenes material. Now, it's the Diary of Anne Frank thing, but all of that is window dressing. All of that is a way, it's the tortilla chip for the salsa. You're not interested that much in the tortilla chip. The tortilla chip is the vehicle to get the actual flavor, which is on the salsa, to your mouth, right? I know that's a weird analogy, but it, just bear with me, because the salsa in this case is Janeway's story, her relationship with him, and the way it is, it, it, it shows her as being a flawed, emotional person who has feelings, person who gets hurt. See, I think, that if I can continue on that for just a moment, why I like the humanization of it, it makes her feel more down to earth. 
One of the things I tended to dislike about early TNG, specifically early TNG, was Gene was really big on these basically being superhumans. For all intents and purposes, these were cons type of people. I mean, minus the arrogance. These were the superhumans. Everyone was just amazingly brilliant and amazingly smart and amazingly attractive and amazingly charismatic and we were all amazing. And that always rubbed me just a little bit wrong. Maybe because I'm a dumb, ugly, stupid, fat, worthless pile of crap and have been that my entire life. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know, just part of it. You know, bad eyesight, you know, bad hair. <laughs> I can't say bad skin anymore. I, I grew out of that one. <sighs> but all joking aside, that was clearly the presentation that was been going for. These were not people. They were superheroes. In other words, they were supposed to be held up on a bit more of a pedestal than normal people. It's one of the things that always immediately attracted me to Colmini, who played O'Brien. Even way back in the beginning, he was just the everyman. It's why he kept coming back. I'll talk about this when we go through TNG. Everyone loved Colmini, and he was just some random nameless guy on the con, but he was just so personable and so down-to-earth, everyone loved it. And so he just kind of kept coming back for little roles and kept coming back for little roles. And eventually he became a secondary character of TNG. And eventually he became, or excuse me, first a tertiary, then he became a secondary character. Then he actually became a main character over on DS9. But he never lost that human element to him. And it's one of the reasons why I've actually never met someone who doesn't like O'Brien as a character. Feel free to immediately contradict me because that's what the internet exists for. But seriously, I've never heard anyone say that. Of all the Star Trek fans I've talked to, and there are many... And I feel the bad way is because he's so relatable. This is why I like what they did with Janeway here. She is flawed, human, weak, vulnerable, and relatable. It's easy to understand how she feels in this case. It's less about her being the captain. It's less about the responsibility. It's less about the ideals. It's less about the duty. And it's more about the person. And this is one of the very few insights we see into the person. And I like that. Now, uh, so, okay, so to continue, <laughs> I hate to point this out, but there is a little bit of hypocrisy in what she does, isn't there? I mean, ignoring the fact that her helping these refugees is, as they themselves admit, in character, a violation of the Prime Directive, this is happening literally the next episode after 30 days, an episode in which she severely punishes Tom Paris for acting in order to, you see how this goes. I should also point out that in a future episode, Janeway will be punishing someone else in a way too severe fashion, in an extreme uh, uh, disproportionate response of punishment, for doing the exact same thing she is doing, for fraternizing with an alien. And in the, that case, which it's Harry Kim in that case, in Harry Kim's case, he wasn't fraternizing with the enemy, like she is. Okay, I'm done, I'm done. Um... I explained what Counterpoint is. I mentioned Mahler's. I like Neelix being the one to take care of the telepath children for two reasons. Number one, he's actually quite personable in that. And even though he's obviously awkward around people who can read his mind, he's still, he's still got that nice enough, you know, I'm willing to take the hit thing he's got going so that he's okay with it. If you'll remember, in the episode Drone, there's a scene where Neelix is helping the, the drone, one, uh, go down the... Uh, 
or first, I can't remember his name, but I think it was one. Anyways, going down the corridor, and the drone's like, they're all nervous about me, and Neelix is like, wow, you know. And he's just trying to, to work with it and try to reach this common ground. I've said it before, and I've said it again. Diplomacy is about being willing to reach further than the other person is. Assume they're not reaching out to you, you reach out to them, right? And Neelix does this a lot and has been doing this a lot ever since season five started, really. Uh, actually, I guess I should say since season four started. He's been doing it lately, basically. But this is especially important because that's the obvious thing. The unstated thing is these are telepathic children. They know his thoughts, his emotions, his feelings, at least in a generalized sense. And the idea here is that they put Neelix in charge of them because he's the one who means them no harm whatsoever and only wants to take care of them and wants the best for them. That innate caring that just comes off of Neelix, that is part of Neelix's personality, would be naturally soothing to the children in an otherwise harsh and dangerous time. And so their exposure to him helps them to stay calm and, and reasonable when otherwise they might be terrified or uncertain because their parents are that way. Right? Makes sense? It's a nice little touch, and it's, it's this understated thing that I really like. Um, I love the scientist. Okay, the guy they get, I don't even remember his damn name, but the pseudo-amphibious-looking guy, they did a great job with his uh, helmet mask thing, but they did an even better job with the nose thing. If you haven't seen the episode, there's a thing where he, they, they did an apparatus on the, on the mask the actor's wearing, so it could literally go... When, when he touched it, instead of... It was this... He only does it twice in the whole thing, but both times he does it, it's a dinky little thing, but I love it because it just emphasizes a, a little bit of the variance. It makes him a little more alien than just makeup does. And it's one of those things that it helps differentiate him. You know, I, I don't know what else to say about it. I just like it. Every time I saw it, I'm like, yeah. He also has a uniquely uh, bizarre personality because he's a few blends of most... He's basically a blend of most of the academic stereotypes but because of the blending, it comes across as more of a well-fleshed-out character than you'd think for a guy who literally has two scenes, as opposed to just being a complete stereotype. So whoever wrote that stuff and put it in, and the actor himself, deserve credit for doing a really good job there. So, just a question for you, because I've actually been asked this before. What is more interesting to you, personally, about this episode? The plot, which is the Diary of Anne Frank, you know, getting the refugees out from the tyrannical, horrible empire of doom. And let's be clear, based on how this is presented, even though Kashik and his people probably genuinely believe in their imperium of doom and the cause of anti-telepathy, there's no real denying that they are at the very least the aggressors in the situation and at best are engineering a situation where a fairly large amount of people are going to forever hate and fear them and if, that, if their power base ever falls, they're probably screwed as the cycle of vengeance ensures that they'll be the ones oppressed next time. At worst, well, it just goes downhill from there. Um, but anyways, which do you like better? That plot about the, the Devor and you know, the telepaths? Or Janeway being human, the, the ro romance plot? And speaking of someone, if you've watched any of my videos, you know I'm not exactly a huge fan of romance in games, for example. But my biggest reason why has always been the fact that it's almost never done really well, in my opinion. Um, I, I have given examples of where I feel it's done well. But I think when it is done well, when it is in service of the characters or the setting or the plot or the themes or something, I feel that works really well. And I like the romance plot better than the main plot of this one, I'll admit it.
Now, two more things here. Uh, three more things, looks like. Like I said, kind of a short episode. First of all, there's this wonderful back-and-forth line that just... Every time I actually rewinded and watched it again when I was rewatching it for this re- this review because I was just like, oh, that's awesome. Uh, the guy, uh, Kashuk is there and he's like, you created false readings. And she turns to him, deadpan, and says, oh, I thought that was the theme for this evening. <laughs> Every time I said I rewind, I watched it again because, oh, I believe we in the business refer to that as a burn. Now, I mentioned the hurt feelings thing. That's, that's my last note here, so I guess we're going to skip over that. But there are two other things I want to mention. First is an alternate scenario. I have heard this suggested many times. In fact, when I first saw this episode, I actually guessed and assumed that this was going to happen. That's not what happened in the actual episode. Um, the idea being, you know, oh, they've gotten away. Damn it, this will destroy our careers. Okay, move on, let's go. And as soon as everyone off lists the bridge, he turns to Janeway and says, it worked. And we find out that he had been doing all of this to ensure that Janeway and crew would get away in addition to the telepaths getting away, with him having the authority to call off the guards and making it happen. The cost, of course, being that he would have to go back with the guard and with the Imperium in order to continue doing his job he hated, but maybe he could do something from the inside from then on. Maybe. But you get the idea. That um, obviously is not what happened. But I mention it because I'm not sure if that makes it better or worse. It would be detracting from the story for two reasons. One, it removes the antagonistic nature of the relationship between the two characters, which is a major feature of that relationship, let's be clear. And two, it removes some of the humanization of Janeway. Because, yes, it would be, you know, she would be sad at his parting and be, not being able to be with him anymore. But that's, to be blunt, it is not as human as pain. There are probably very few things more human than pain especially emotional pain. And so it would detract from that overall theme that I kept banging on about earlier. So I'm not sure if I like uh, like that idea better or worse. It's the only thing I would submit as an alternate, and I'm not even sure I would go forward with that. Like, if the editor was like, Arsh, what do you want to do? I'd be like, well, let me, let me sit on this one for a bit. The other thing I don't like, though, and this I genuinely don't like, Janeway gambles. She had a brilliant plan in place to trick them into thinking they had the telepaths, but in fact, in truth, they had helped the telepaths to get away. Yay! And now the Voyager crew is completely screwed. There was no plan to deal with that. No plan to deal with the Devor or the Imperium or for Voyager to escape. Nothing. She was just waiting for whatever to happen. I didn't like that. I feel like it should have been more in keeping with the theme and would have been better suited to Janeway in particular, and the crew in particular, if they had come up with, like, a final card in the back of their hand. For example, things could have unfolded exactly as they did, and he's like, ah, fine, let's just get out of here. And he turns to leave, and he's like, ah, you win. And she's like, well, I could have just done blah, 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 blah. I don't know what. I don't know specifics. I'd have to really sit and think about it. But, you know, I could have just done blah, 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 or blah, 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 because blah, 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 blah. (laughs) In other words, she had already checkmated him, and he hadn't realized it. In other words, it again emphasizes the counterpoint, the real human need for emotional companionship and the intellectual need for being the captain. Because the counterpoint isn't just him and her, it's her and the other aspect of her. And I feel that would have been better in suiting in that theme if she had outthunk him. And again, and I'm just, I want to re-say this because this is a great way to say this, checkmated him without him realizing it. 
he had already lost and he didn't know it. And the fact that he leaves on his own volition just makes it that much easier on everyone. And I would have loved that because then at the end I could just see him thinking that and just smiling and being in, you know, genuinely enjoying the fact that she had outthought him in that way. That's all I got. Oh, that's it for today. I'm going to go collapse into sleep. I'm so tired. Ten videos today. Ha. Oh. Tomorrow I'm going to record some more videos. <laughs> I'll see you around, guys.